WRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Friday upon us. We are ready for the weekend. And it looks like the grains decided to go on the weekend a little early in the day. Negativity seen in the corn, the beans, and the wheat Chicago. Now, Minneapolis and Kansas City uh, continue to see some uptick. And I think there may be some planting pressure that's being factored into what we're seeing in those wheat numbers. You flip over to the livestock side and and hogs. They got some green on the screen for our Friday. It is mixed on the feeders and lower on the live cattle. Lots of things that we are going to take a look at as to what we saw within this market trade for the day, including the pullback that's been happening with the markets and really some of the worst crops and crop progress information since 1996. And in our neck of the woods, folks are talking 1988. Now, we don't mean to ignore the folks to the East Coast. I call it the East Coast, but the, the eastern part of the United States, the eastern Corn Belt, um, Uh, where they have had issues with just too much rain. So it's a tale of two stories in this year's growing season. As Mike Zuzalo joins us, he's with Global Commodity Analytics. And and Mike, I think that's the best way to describe it. The tale of two stories. We've got such wet on the east and extreme drought happening in the west. Yeah, and it almost seemed like to me, Susan, that the trade got a little bit tired of talking about it. And and I think at the same time, I I don't think the trade acts that way. But I I guess what I mean is that when we got down to the middle of the week, after, as you say, we saw the winter wheat crop conditions come in, good to excellent, at the worst level since 1996 by some of the accounting. And, And then we saw the corn planting delays in Kentucky in Tennessee, which are usually 25, 26% done at this point, uh, only in the single digits, you know, it seemed like the trade maybe was set up for a continuation for the upside, but we didn't get that continuation of the upside. And clients and subscribers were calling in saying, what's changed? What's changed? And I think the way I frame it at the end of this week with corn barely up on the week, hard red and soft red wheat down on the week, soybeans up on the week and meal down on the week, you you saw a fund-driven market, I think. I think the weekly price action showed me that this was more about a rotation and, and probably investor commodity index rotation specifically out of some of the riskier assets, wanting to jump into more of a spread trade when it came to the soybeans versus the corn or the vegetable oils versus the soy meal. Um, I think the supply-demand fundamentals had less to do with this price action than the, the outside market fundamentals especially. So I, I would say it's probably a 70-30 split. I would call 70% of this weekly price action more commodity index rotation moving out of riskier assets. Why? Because it's not like the Russian-Ukraine situation's improved. It's actually gotten worse. But it, it, because it's gotten worse, the IMF and the World Bank came out and gave big cuts to global trade for this year big cuts to the world economy, almost a percentage point versus their January estimate, specifically because of Russia-Ukraine. So now the Russia-Ukraine war is not associated with lost supply. It's now being associated with more lost demand. And I think that's where we finish the week up at. And and you can see that with the the gold down $17, the silver down $0.40 an ounce. Uh, the stock market even breaking hard as we go on the air this afternoon. The Dow Jones futures down 800 points. I think we're getting into more of a risk-off mindset, not because of supply demand fundamentals in the grains, but the macro side. Is there hope that we could see kind of 
a little bit of a respite this weekend, regain some some confidence come Monday. Should we get some weather? Should there be some new information coming out of Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'll give you three things that happened on Friday that I don't think we really traded that much. Actually, four. The first one, the most important, was that China came in and bought a lot of U.S. corn, almost 1.4 million tons. Uh, and it split pretty equally between this current marketing year and next marketing year. That makes me really wonder whether uh, the Ukraine shortfall is really starting to be felt over there and or the South American crop, the Brazilian crop in the southern parts of Brazil and the Argentine crop in the Pampas regions. Some of those areas both not getting as much rain as they need, and they're going to start heating up pretty nicely here in the next couple of weeks, it looks. So that was number one. Number two, Russia, excuse me, Indonesia banned their palm oil exports. Obviously, they don't want to let any more palm oil go out the door because their domestic prices are skyrocketing, and there's food lines already in countries like Indonesia. That was a big deal this week, and the, and the media is really, the international media is really starting to uh, tune into this food crisis and this famine potential that we're dealing with. The other thing that happened was Russia raised their export tax on their wheat, and, and it, they raised it a lot. And then finally, Ukraine came in and extended their grain export curbs for a lot of uh, of, of their grains uh, by rail for the next uh, two weeks, so all the way into the early part of May. So if you would ask the question, are things getting better in, in terms of supply, I would say no, they're not getting better in terms of supply. And if that weather, as you say, continues to hammer us on dry in the west and wet in the east, I would think the trade would come back and look at the supply side again next week. Lots of things to look at. And before we had to break, kind of wanted to start this conversation of, of what you're hearing in the comparisons to 1996. Some folks around here are even saying 1988, but 96 and, and what we're seeing in these crop conditions. Yeah, and it really depends on where you're at. I, I think this is where I was just in Indiana and northwestern Ohio, and they're talking about 2019 where they went up against the prevent plant dates for corn. Actually had good yields that year because the weather turned perfect, but I think it depends really where you're at right now. I think for me, it's still very much like a 2008 wheat-led market at this stage of the game uh, until I see uh, the corn get planted and, and the wheat belt stays very, very dry. I'm going to say wheat still our leader and mainly our leader to the upside. All right. Well, we'll be back, folks. Stick around. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue here with the second half of the Fontenelle final bell, knowing that weather and the concerns that have been happening on the grain numbers, the effects that they're having on the livestock side, and no surprises, dry weather, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, continues to take a toll when it comes to this cattle market. Record herds of, or record numbers, that is, of herds being depleted, those heifers uh, going to market a lot earlier, even if not, they should have been. Uh, that's coming up. We'll continue with the Fontenelle final bell after this on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids has always been about building relationships with our customers. Here's Mark Glow, a dealer from Wood River, Nebraska. Best part of Fontenelle is the people, but most importantly, working with the customers that we enjoy working with and building relationships. The most rewarding part of being a dealer is seeing our products perform every year with a wide range of farming practices and the ever-changing weather. For more, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue the conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzlo, Mike with Global Commodity Analytics. And we were talking about 1996, and I, I would hope that we could say that we, we learned from the past. We learned how to market during past dry years. But still, Mike, the emotions are there, especially when you're so anxious to get that, you know, 
planter in the field, the ground temperatures aren't warm enough yet, the rain hasn't been here, but you know that the pressure's on globally to produce a crop. Yeah, and I think you add another layer, especially since 1996, because I started in 1995 in this industry and as a broker, and I remember how there was a new type of trading that was starting to emerge, and now it's become the norm, Susan, and I think that goes back to those macro lead features that you know i talk a lot about with you and with clay um a lot more people are talking about it but like to give you an example one of the things that we had happen this week was we had a new three-year high in the two-year treasury bond yield what's that mean well you're getting the best interest rate on a two-year treasury in three years and it's a very short dated time to lock up money and it's 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 essentially a safe haven for a market that is very nervous about the Federal Reserve, very nervous about inflation and oil prices, very nervous about this Russia-Ukraine war becoming more regional, which that's, in my opinion, increasing in likelihood as the days go on. And so this stronger bond yield is attracting U.S. dollar investment, and that's why the U.S. dollar, in my opinion, was at a two-year high today. That drives directly into why you hedge in 2022, regardless of what Mother Nature does to you. It's just how you hedge, and I think that's where we don't have the time here on the Fontenelle Final Bell to talk about it, but this is what 1988 taught us. This is what 96 taught us, 2008, 2012, you name it. You know, these supply-led sharp rallies and then sharp breaks typically happen, and, and you lose about 60% of your price within about three to four months of a year, year-and-a-half rally, and I think that's really important. In, in turning that over to the livestock side, we may be walking into a situation if we continue to be droughty in the West uh, where we are looking and shaping up to have maybe one of the best moves in the market since 2014, 2013, 2014, when it comes to the cattle and when it comes to the hogs. And hopefully we won't have disease pressure to get us there. So since we talked about the livestock side, let's look at what's happening in this cattle market because, you know, increased number of heifers are going to market because there's the concern the feedstuffs aren't going to be there. But then you and I were talking during the commercial break, the number of cows that are headed to slaughter as well. It kind of sets a very uh, dark precedent right now for the for the cattle industry. And, and for once, we can't say it's all dairy. It, it, there's a lot of beef in this, too. Yeah, there, there is, absolutely is, and it's kind of neat because as we have been talking, we've gotten the new cattle on feed report out, and I was, I've been very skeptical about a 92% average trade guess on placements, and, and those placements came in at uh, 1.99 million head, um, and that, that puts you at, you know, right around 100% based upon what I'm looking at on the sheet here uh, in terms of the placements, and I was at 95% because of exactly uh, what you're talking about right now, because we've seen cow slaughter at 21 to 22 percent um, in the mix for the weekly numbers for the last four weeks in a row, and we've seen declining dress weights for essentially four weeks in a row as well. So we're still liquidating the herd, and it's still showing up where we just can't find a home on pasture uh, for these these calves and these heifers, and and we're going into the place we're placing them into the feedlots, even though we've got super expensive grain that we're going to have to feed them. But that's really where we're at right now when it comes to how tight this supply may be for the U.S. hog herd and the U.S. cattle herd down the road. Pork production right now is down almost 6% year-to-date. Lamb and mutton production is down almost 13% year-to-date. There's not a lot of substitutes out there, especially with that high-path avian influenza still looming in the poultry. 
in uh, looking at this, what are some outlooks or some things that we need to think from a positive sense um, that we can look for within this market trade? Well, I think the biggest thing you think about is you could have drought, but you could still also have profit in 2022 because especially if you locked in your diesel prices and your chemical prices and your fertilizer prices or part of them before the market shock occurred, your profitability is still extraordinary even if you take a yield hit. You have high crop insurance base prices. That's another real positive. It's just getting through the mental task of it. And I think that's where I hope you work with somebody that can kind of walk you through this time period emotionally because this is when we tend to lose our discipline. And I think this is where you need to have somebody that's kind of your friend and your ally trying to point you in the right direction because you're going to be get more emotional about those crops and those animals that you do love and that's why you're in this business just like in 88 like in 96 and 2012 we we do survive we become stronger and move forward we do and we get more efficient and we see the productivity and the technology get better and better my fear is the russian ukraine war if it does turn into a bigger wide-scale war uh, we will have you know tougher years in the next two to three years but that's down the road let's concentrate on 2022 right now very much so best way for folks to get a hold of you mike best way to go to globalcomresearch.com it's globalcom with two m's research.com sign up for a three-month subscription for 150 dollars i think you'll see that as a, a good value for what kind of information you get all right that has been today's fontanelle final bell brought to you by fontanelle hybrids and all your local dealers on the rural radio network april 